looked dead, didn't I? Which is ridiculous, cause witches they were persecuted, wicked, good, and love the earth and women power, and I'll be over here. The baddest shit, even super women couldn't put their hands on this. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. Maria Lewis. Welcome to FEA Film and Feminism, episode 30. Thank you for having me. Fuck. Chloe Angelo, welcome to this podcast. Angelo? Angelo. Did I say it right? Like D'Angelo? Yes. Well, the last name's made up, so. Okay. Go to town. Go, go do whatever you want. Yeah, live Thank your best you life, so think. much for joining me as the co host for this episode, the co hosting with the Mosty. Very excited. Um, we, so for those people who don't know Chloe's work, aren't familiar with it, Chloe work and I work together on SBS Viceland's nightly news program, The Feed, for almost two years, doing a bunch of stuff. We shot, what stories did we shoot together? We, we shot Arm and Boobs. Oh, we did, oh my God, my first story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Where we lunged your bras into the sea. To Craig David songs. Beautiful moment. Um, we, we, shot, we shot the Rooster Teeth story. Oh, we did. Big I Rooster loved Teeth that feature. One. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. What else did we do? I think that might have been all we did for shoots. Yeah, I feel, I, weirdly, I feel like we did so many more together, but. We worked together every day. Yeah, we did, for sure. And also, you. So, Chloe is a shooter, so she shoots the stories, she produces stories, she edits stories. And so, even if it was um, a story that I wasn't necessarily doing, but Chloe had shot it, then I would speak to Chloe about when the edit was coming and how things were going and uh, like the fucking premiere and post and all that kind of stuff. Actually, that's why I feel like we worked on more stories together because you did all Mark Humphreys and Evan Williams' yes, segments. And so I was, I was always in this for like the... Cameos. Yeah, my great acting roles as token <laughs> youth person or girl from the future. <laughs> my favourite was definitely in the SBS recruitment video. Oh, yeah, the cocaine and heroin yes. party. Did that so casually so well. Dude, I have a very specific aesthetic um, which makes me <laughs> appealing to a very limited number of roles. Chief. Hashtag alternative chick. Gave me my first acting credits. Cheers, their feet. But anyway, <laughs> so this whole podcast is basically about film and feminism, and we talk about movies that we like, movies that we don't, shit that's going on in the industry, and interview a few people as well. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast was because you have practical experience on the job. Now nah, that's fine. Look, <laughs> let's start. We're recording this on my balcony. In the inner west, you're gonna hear the occasional plane passing by. If it's a really like fucking loud one, we'll take a break so you don't hear it. But if you just hear like a weird thrum in the background, that's what it is. Um, but I want to get you on here because you have a lot of practical experience, and a lot of the guests that we've had on are directors and screenwriters, and the co-hosts are usually like pop culture commentators or reviewers and stuff like that. People whose work I really admire in a different kind of capacity. But I wanted to talk to you about how you first got into the industry. Did you always know that you wanted to, to work on something like The Feed or work in like a technical hands-on sense in the film industry? 
Yeah, I mean, when I was a teen, I've always loved cameras. Like, I've always mm. had a camera in my hands. Um, it started out as stills photography, but I never really felt satisfied with that. It never really brought me any joy. Yeah. I'll never um, be sad. That's a Hamilton reference <laughs> for those of you playing at home. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I got my first sort of industry experience working in a photography studio when mm. I was a teenager. Um, which was great, but I mean, I hated it. Like, I didn't want to work with little screaming yeah. children and all that kind of stuff. I did it's weddings as well. It's funny. I wonder if like photography is sometimes like a gateway drug because there was a period when I was in high school that I wanted to be a photographer mm. as well, and I went and worked in a like a, a Photoshop basically for oh, yeah. work and experience. And it was fucking boring, and I was like, not for me. It's just a whole different can of worms. Like, yeah, I so deeply admire it, and I love how you know the great photographers can capture so much in an image. Well, there's also there's a lot of people that have worked on the feed team in different production roles who mm. also have backgrounds in photography or mm. main jobs in photography. I'm thinking specifically of like yeah. Zoe, whose main gig is like a wedding photographer. Yeah, I definitely think, not that it's easy, but I definitely yeah. think it's an, well, easier way yeah. to sort of break in or find, you know, if you, you know, what kind of creative yeah. thing you want to do. Um, but I kind of had my, I call it filmic epiphany when yeah. I went to Newcastle University mm. and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do creatively with my life, but yeah. I, knew I wanted to be a creative, whether that be painting or fashion design yeah. or architecture or something. Um, and I was studying in film, media and cultural studies and they yeah. asked us to think of an advertisement for the university to best display diversity that yeah. they had. And I had this whole in Newcastle. thing mm, in Newcastle. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, it wasn't too bad. No, nah, look, I'm, I'm yeah, giving it shit. I've only been to Newcastle like Newcastle. half a dozen times. I should shut look, my whole You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had this whole thing flash in my head and I kind of had this light bulb moment where I was like, ah, oh, I want to work in film. Yeah. Um, so I looked up film schools in Sydney, found one that I loved. The director of the film school had a video talking about film and I just yeah. was completely enamoured by everything that mm. he said. Um, and the thing that I loved most about it was it taught you every element of film from screenwriting, producing, to sound, yeah. to cinematography, to directing. So you felt like you had a comprehensive education it did, in terms of... If you even if you're doing one specific role, at least you have an understanding of what somebody needs to do their yeah. job that feeds into your job and vice versa. Yeah, which was the whole shtick. Yeah, so I went to film school there, went in knowing that I loved camera but had an open mind to mm. see if I loved something else and I did enjoy directing, I did enjoy writing, but I just felt like cinematography was just it was the thing that most made sense yeah. to me. Um so before I graduated, I actually got recommended to Today FM mm-hmm. as a shoot-up for red carpets and events yeah. and stuff. Which is a really good way to start out. Oh, it's an amazing thing to have on the resume. Mm-hmm. And it was great because we didn't just do the stuck-in-a-booth kind yeah. of shooting on the red carpet. Yeah. We did that, but we also got the opportunity to do events and stuff. And especially, like, considering that you worked on a show like The Feed, which is a live nightly news program mm-hmm. where people... It's, it's a team project, but also if five people don't do their job... Or or anyone fucks up during the day it means mm. you're going to air with like a black segment or something that night so it's a high mm. pressure environment and red carpets are very high pressure as well and you Definitely. have to learn to be able to like adapt and think on your feet oh yeah and i think for the first probably six months every time we did an interview i would just stare at the red dot <laughs> in disbelief that it was recording yeah. terrified that i'd forgotten oh because the worst nightmare especially when a name drop i was shooting brad pitt oh yeah classic oh, yeah. All those times I shot Brad Pitt. <laughs> I have never. 
I have zero interest. What the fuck would I ask him oh, about, he's frankly? He's a beautiful man. He's he so though? intending. I don't know. Well, in person, it's a whole, you know, kind yeah. of, how does your face end up like that? Mm. Um, but yeah, and then from there, I interned on a couple of TV dramas as an assistant camera. Um, so I got to work with a lot of great DPs mm-hmm. and a lot of people you can learn from yeah, and learn under, which is the best way to learn, especially yeah. as a visualist to see, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, um, I call yourself a monkey. <laughs> Anything you're on the higher end of the monkey spectrum, an orangutan, a no, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I worked with you on the feed at the time mm-hmm. when I first started working on the show, you were the only female um, camo, as mm-hmm. we call them in the biz. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the only job that you do. You shoot. You edit, you produce. It's like you have to be able to manage all of those different roles. But you were the only female female camo at the time when I started, and had another one come in towards the end of before I left mm-hmm. to go work on the Who's Afraid show. Um, who was just a contractor. But have you found that's the case in the industry a lot? Like especially in your kind of role, where there, where it's like a very you've got to go and know the tech, you've got mm-hmm. to know the hardware. Do you find it's a bit of a sausage fest? Are you usually the only chick? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think when I was coming out of film school, the stats were something terrible, like... Were there a lot of chicks in your class? Or was it, like, uh, what was the split? Maybe, like, two or three. One wanted to be a director and the other... I can't remember what she wanted to be in, but it definitely wasn't camera. Mm. Um, Because I feel like, I mean, statistically speaking, just, like, looking at the stats from Screen Australia and shit, it's more female writers and Mm. directors compared to the more technical roles, right? And let, let's be clear, they're all fucking dire. The percentage of women yeah. across the border is always fucking dire, but the percentage is slightly higher in the writing and directing roles as opposed to DPs yeah. or even editing, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's true. And, look, I, I did question starting out, is it going to be a prejudiced way to go? But I'm very mm. stubborn and I yeah. you know, knew this is what I'm going to do and I'm just yeah. going you know, fight until I get it. But for the most part, um, the only prejudices that I really experienced, surprisingly, were in the production office from older yeah. women. Mm. Um, That's that reinforced patriarchy for you. The only yeah. way to succeed is to behave and act like a man. Well, yeah, I mean, but all the men that I've worked with, as far as in front of me anyway, yeah. they never held any prejudice. They never yeah. questioned whether I could carry anything. Yeah. Um, no, you're really determined about carrying shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still just as bad. Oh, I'm not as bad now. I'll give it to some people. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I've never really encountered much prejudice except for really through friends who have told mm. me that it was in the production office where they said, well, if we hire her, we have to hire someone else to carry all the stuff. That's oh, what yeah, we fucking trolleys and shit for, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, so stu- but also when like, it gets to lights and stuff, like, some of them are a two-man job and two-man, yeah. two-person job. But also, I think of, like, a lot of the other camos that we worked with on the, well, that I worked with on the feed, and with the exception of the wonderfully talented Dave May, who look, was physically built like Slender Man, <laughs> and you could just strap shit to for as long as you want, because he's vertically very tall, but, mm-hmm. like, they're all little dudes. Yeah. They're all little guys. Yeah. Uh, such a weird stereotype. It is, and you know, I've worked with guys. Even tiny men, yeah. tiny men. When you I was can a runner, both of them. Yeah, when I was a runner, I had a guy who was literally like half my size, yeah. like my weight, and they expected him to carry more stuff than me. And I was like, I can take it. Yeah, did even going over to the US to shoot the stories that we shot over there. Cameron mm. was tiny man. All tiny men, <laughs> tiny men everywhere. Um, Pocket rockets. Do you have a favourite cinematographer or DP? Oh, I do. Um, Dion Beebe. Mm. Okay, so for people who don't know who Dion Beebe is, what would they recommend? He recognize? shot Chicago, oh. Nine. Um, 
Chicago is one Memoirs of my favorite. Oh, I love Chicago. Such a good movie. I love that musical mm. anyway. But good musicals on stage usually, or a lot of times, don't translate to good movies. Mm-hmm. But that's a fucking beautifully shot movie. It's, it's really cleverly shot. It is. And look, honestly, I'd love to say that my favorite cinematographer is a female one. There are a lot of female singers yeah. that I do like and admire. Um, but I'm not really good with that anyway, knowing names. Yeah. Of, I'm very bad with that. I'm yeah, that's very good with that. Um, is that what you want to do in the end? Like, what's the end goal for you? Do you want to keep oh, working? 100%. Up? You want to work on so, movies yeah, or television shows? Yeah. It's just a different language. Like, I've yeah. worked in, I've worked from TVCs to TV dramas to yeah. reality to yeah. news. Yeah, I've worked on so many mediums, but I've found that where I feel like I am most inspired and excited mm. and driven is with feature films and it's just yeah. a language that I'm a very organized person and I need planning and that's yeah. when I kind of shine at my best yeah. and I, I get time to bring and it movies together. by their very nature require so much planning they do their place requires so much planning especially depending on what kind of scale of movie mm. you're going but pre-production on a movie is often longer than the shooting sometimes mm. well I've just now with our dailies because Mark Humphrey's pieces <laughs> and Evan Williams pieces um, have just They've become a lot more cinematic. And yeah, they have. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. So if you guys aren't familiar with their stuff, um, I know there's a lot of international listeners, so they might be like, who that? Um, Mark Humphreys and Evan, uh, they were once nicknamed the Brothers Comedy by fucking, I think it was Nick Hayden called them that. <laughs> um, and they do a lot of political skits on the feed and a lot of satire. And their shit has really blown up in, like, the last year, especially, I guess, like, post-Trump. They did a really famous skit that got broadcast all around the world when he... Um, when Donald Trump tweeted um, a gif of him beating up CNN um, and it was his face like kind of fucking imposed over wrestlers and so they did mm. one as the CNN logo and anyway this shit's really funny I'll throw up a bunch of links to that um, with this podcast if you want to check it out but yeah I'd say that's definitely true because they're also gotten a lot bigger in concept as well because they have Mark because did they the are doing so well well they're doing so well but Mike did that piece um when a fucking, I can't remember what dickhead politician it was, came out and said that if we allow same-sex marriage to become legal in Australia, then the next thing you'll have people wanting to marry the Harbour Bridge. Oh, yeah, I did that one. Yeah, it was so good. So Mark did this piece about a guy who was falling in love with the Harbour Bridge mm-hmm. and how hard it was to have a relationship with a bridge. Mm-hmm. It's fucking mwah, mwah. <laughs> such a good, such a good, good thing. We also saw a flick together recently. We've seen a lot of flicks together, we actually. Have. Or we were just talking about Kong Skull Island, which we saw together. We did. Which I fucking loved. It's weird to think that came out this. Doesn't that feel like? Is that last year? No, this year because it was it? February 2017. Yeah, wow. I remember because I had a friend, I had a few friends who worked on Kong Skull Island, mm. and they were so excited when it was coming out because um, it was like a. That's technically a blockbuster. The team is mm. like very contained, and a lot of it shot in Australia. So they were like, "When you go to screening, can you like fucking take a picture of my name in the credits?" So I was oh, like, "Yeah, cute. boy." Um, yeah, that was February 2017. Wow, still one of my favorite movies of the year. I really loved wow. it. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Um, but we saw the Flatliners, technically yes. sequel, because I was going to say yeah. requel, but it's not a remake. It's a direct sequel. Really? Cause, yeah, because mm. Keith Sutherland is oh, that's right. in it and his mm. ca- playing his character from the first one, although they don't address it, they mm. don't call him by name, he doesn't address past <laughs> events, there's no real relation. It's fucking yeah. so poorly done. Um, Almost like a Bill Murray in the Ghostbusters. Literally like that. That's the thing I don't get is like if you have because that people are so obsessed with IP and shit like that. Like mm. they so want known properties. So if you're gonna do something like that, 
why wouldn't you make it part of the same universe? It's so fucking stupid. The Ghostbusters thing was so silly. I, I didn't understand why they couldn't have been the next. Like, maybe ghosts go away mm. after the first two movies and the animated series. I don't know if you consider the animated series to be canon. Mm. But those women are, you know, one of them's the daughter of whoever yeah. or a descendant of or was Some in kind of one like of the original places that was haunted mm. by ghosts in the first one and has been shaped by it and they will mm. tip up the mantle from the fucking dudes. That would have been sick. Anyway, um, get off topic. What's going on? I would like you to stop my heart. You give it one minute, and then you bring me back. Okay, now's the point where you say it's all a joke. The Flatliners <laughs> movie is fucking terrible. It was very bad. It's really bad. And that's saying a lot because the original Joe Schumacher Flatliners isn't great. It hasn't aged well. It's it's a kind of movie where it's like it has a lot of heart, mm-hmm. and it's the heart that pulls it through. And it's like the characters are really believable, and you believe that they're proficient and efficient <laughs> at their jobs. And you kind of put to the side that the villain and all of their weird little past um, scenarios is a little kid, <laughs> like all the time. It's like, yeah. but it, it's weird for a Joel Schumacher movie, which is like you know seventy percent lighting, thirty percent random nipple shots. There's also <laughs> stuff discussed like um, suicide and racism and some really like interesting things that get tackled which mm. don't usually in a Joel Schumacher film but also that cast because it's 1990 it's when the first one there it's Julie Roberts Keith Sutherland this is allegedly the movie when they first got together before she left him at the altar and ran off with Jason Patrick <laughs> his co-star from The Lost Boys and best friend um Oliver Platt who's mm. always amazing Kevin Bacon being all kinds of fucking delicious shortcut bacon. <laughs> He's great in this movie. And um, William Baldwin. Excellent cast. Yeah, it's it's really, it's interesting. And so the sequel, yeah, sequel, fuck. When that trailer first came out and people were all shitting on it, I was like, actually, it's so really excited, good. Yeah. yeah, the trailer looked good. Especially with Ellen Page. Ellen Page, Nina Debrev, Diego Luna, um, who's the beautiful ginger man who I kept making... James something uh, who kept making grunting noises every time he was on the screen. <laughs> yeah. He's from Belle and that's why I remember him because I love Belle and he's oh, like the romantic right. lead in that. Um, he's the ab- abolitionist. But anyway, it's a fucking weird movie. Mm. I just died. What will I do first? Let's get drunk and party. But f- So they treat flatlining like a drug mm. and in the first... Euphoria. Yeah, and so you haven't seen the first... No, like, okay, so in the first movie, it's it's treated like a scientific exploration. Like they're mm. daring themselves to go further and go somewhere that yeah. no one's gone before, and they're all like the top of their class, super like ambitious, and it's like this big dick measuring contest between each of them. Mm. So they start like bidding on who can go under longest, like one minute, one minute ten, right. one eleven. So you buy it, right? But in mm. this, it's like. Ellen Page wants to go under for some reason and she recruits the four, the three most fucking useless people in her class, <laughs> including, as you pointed, Nina Debrev's character who can't put on plastic gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, James, whatever his last name's character, can't do anything. He mm-hmm. couldn't even do CPR. And I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> I know how to do CPR. And I'm not qualified to do anything in this life. Um, the only one that seems to know what he's doing is Diego Luna, mm. who gets accidentally kind of recruited into it. And flatlining's treated like a drug in some scenes. Then suddenly the movie's The Ring, and there's like little wet girls <laughs> everywhere crawling out of shit, and TVs turning on and off, and radios and crap. And then there's like a whole Final Destination vibe with mm. an elevator at one point. It's a, it's fucking, and then it's limitless. They all get like special abilities for like two seconds, <laughs> yeah. like baking bread. 
like Alan Page's <laughs> character remembers twelve loaves or something. Yeah, remembers how to yeah. break like bake bread really well and runs twelve miles and all of a sudden medical experts. Yeah, it's just a bit of a mess of a movie, mm. which is a shame because it's directed by the guy who did the first Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movie yeah. of the Swedish variety, which I loved. Mm. It's a really good flick. Um, and so I, I expected it to be good. Everyone was saying it was going to be terrible. And they were right. They were right. It was pretty terrible. Mm. It wasn't good. It was not a good movie. No, but uh, your grunting and groaning did <laughs> did make for entertaining. Was enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the main thing. As long as my disdain for the movie on a very vocal level was enjoyable, that's the main thing. I saw something. There was this... Clown. Yeah, I saw him too. Oh, okay, so have you seen It? The It remake? I haven't yet, no. I'm pretty bad with scary films, so I'm such a pansy. It's funny though, because... I mean, it's marketed pretty hard as a scary mm. movie, and yeah, like children get eaten and shit, but it's almost <laughs> an adventure movie in a lot of ways. Right. Like, it's so much... Goonies and Stand By Me and yeah, there just happens to be like an all evil, all seeing entity that you know yeah. munches on kids every now and again. But it's really interesting because it's directed by the guy who did Mama, which is a again a horror movie that's almost not a horror. It's like a horror movie about mother's love, right? And it has Jessica Chastain in it and Ooh. Nicola Costa Waldo, the Ooh. fucking Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones, right? It's an awesome flick. And when Carrie Fukunaga dropped out of this it and he was replaced by the guy directing Mama, I was mm. like, fuck yeah, that really excites me. And I really enjoyed it. It does look amazing. I am excited to yeah. see it, but hopefully, I think I will just wait until I'm in the confines of my own home and I can watch SpongeBob straight after. <laughs> That's really best. Or watch it during the day. I had this big thing about I really struggle with watching the movie Candyman. Okay, yeah. to be fair, I was trying to watch it like age eight, which was probably an issue, but I could only watch like 20 minute bits of it in the day. Uh-huh. And so I had the tape, I had to keep getting the tape from the <laughs> video shop because um, I was trying to work out the courage to like follow through and finish this fucking movie. But 2017 has been an interesting one for horror movies because I feel like there's been a lot of good horror movies. Yeah. And one of them is this movie called The Girl with All the Gifts, which is based on a best selling novel by Emma Carey. Who's a very talented um, comic book writer and screenwriter and novelist who people are, he's got a huge following, people are like super familiar with his work, who I actually, I got to meet him in London um, briefly, just after The Girl for the Gifts came out, because we're both published by the same publishing house in the oh, UK, wow. awesome. and so they had this function and he was there and I just went up and like mouth breathed in the corner, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I really like your work. Anyway, Girl for the Gifts is amazing, it's... A zombie movie, unlike any zombie movie you've ever watched before. Mm, exciting. It's really different, really special. The less you know about it, the better. So I'm not going to do too much of the plot, but it also stars someone I've been a massive fan of for years, Gemma Arterton. Oh, I love her. Isn't she the She's fucking... I, I got to shoot her at a film premiere. Shut up! What days. was the film? Was it Hansel and Gretel? It was. I knew it because yeah. they had the Australian premiere yeah. at the event cinemas and I'll never forget, they had the red carpet. The red carpet there? was white. Yes! Oh, amazing. I was there because I loved the movie and I wrote this quote that because nobody fucking liked that movie. I would have been maybe one of the only critics who liked it. Yeah. And so um, a quote from my review ended up on the poster. Oh, Because awesome. it's like, fuck, I got three positive reviews. Oh, this tickle do. But I was at that um, because I love her. But the red carpet was white. Yeah. 
and it had red blood, blood splatters. Stains, yeah. Oh, it was so cool. It was great. She's amazing. I love yep. her. She's amazing. Yes. She's incredibly talented. It's we have a really interesting chat. So that's who spoilers. Spoilers, motherfucker. That's who we're interviewing this week, Jim Arterton. She became a Bond girl at 19. God. 19 to 20. And um, at drama school, she was originally told that she was never going to get work because of her accent, because she was working class. God. Which is really interesting. And she went on to start a bunch of blockbusters like Prince of Persia, Clash of Titans. Quantum of Solace is the one she's in. She's Strawberry Fields. It's the so, best yeah. character name ever. Anyway, <laughs> after doing a bunch of blockbusters like that, she started to take a more interesting direction and mm. did a bunch of really cool films, including one of my top ten favorite films of all time, Byzantium. Which is a feminist vampire movie with Saoirse Ronan. It's fucking amazing. Oh, I love Saoirse Ronan. She's so good. This was kind of before she blew up, but we talk about that in this interview too, but Gemma Arterton stars in The Girl with All the Gifts as mm-hmm. Mrs. Justino, or Miss mm-hmm. Justino, who's one of the main characters, and she's just such a good fucking chat, man. Like, you can ask her real questions and get mm. real answers, and it was yeah. delightful. So anyway, here's that chat with Gemma Arterton. She saved me, and you're still afraid of her. Yeah, and you should be too. Hi, how are you going? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. My name's Maria, by the hi. way. Hi. 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 Nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you on the phone. Yeah, I was like, nice to phone meet you. Are you in the UK at the moment? I am. I am in boiling hot UK, which oh my is God. very rare for us. Yeah, no, I was yeah. going to say, that's unusual. We're going through a cold snap here in Australia, so I think maybe we've swapped weather temporarily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's so nice, though. But, um, yeah, it's like 30. 32, 33, which is really yeah. But anyway, girl with all the gifts. Uh, I love the book so much. Did you did you discover it through the novel or, or through his screenplay? No, absolutely not. I, I read it through the screenplay first, um, and then I've spoken to Cammy, the producer, and says, "Okay, so you know, it's one of those situations. Do I read the book? Is that going to be helpful?" And she said, "Yeah, you can read the book." But just know that there's like quite a few differences in the book, mm. that, you know, the to the screenplay. Um, so anyway, but I, um, uh, it, yeah, uh, I didn't realise how much of a following he had. You know, like a cultish following. Oh yeah, um, he's huge in the comic book world. Yeah, like huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm not. I mean, I I don't usually sort of, follow, you know, science fiction and all that kind of stuff isn't usually my my bag but um so I'm not really in that world but um I just love the way he writes because he makes it so real and kind of earthy and grounded and actual and um current rather than it being you know sometimes fiction can be so sort of out there yeah it's hard to connect with it um but he has this real humanity to the way he writes um even if he's writing about kind of hungries and (laughs) each other there's still something really kind of actual about um you know what he's doing yeah Um, and i think that really sets him apart yeah i totally agree and i love at the center of it is a is a love story between melanie and miss justin o yeah which isn't necessarily what you'd expect in a conventional zombie movie was that one of the things that drew you to the film yeah, and I also think it was the sort of femininity as well. Mm. Um, it's a very, very sort of female-centric film, um, yeah. you know, with these sort of the three main characters really being kind of being women and uh, or, you know, 
and, and especially with Melanie being this young girl being kind of the centre of it, which is very rare. Um, and so there's a kind of a different touch to it, these, like, you know, post-apocalyptic kind of dystopian um, stories. And there's lots of guns and there's lots of kind of war and things <laughs> like that. But actually this kind of, you know, that it, it, it's more about this love and this relationship um, between this, and it's a complicated relationship because it's not mother daughter. It's not. Um, it's not that kind of relationship. But it's it's really complicated because she knows how dangerous <laughs> she is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was for me was a big draw. Um, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's funny when we were when we were shooting the film, there was like pictures of us like. Uh, you know, we've been photographed on set by paparazzi, whatever, with guns and looking like we were really badass <laughs> and stuff. And I remember everyone thinking, oh, it's another kind of, like, people going, oh, it's another kind of shoot mark movie. And it's so not. Yeah. It's, um, so misleading that. It's, it's way more than that. And uh, I think that's what really surprised people when they read the book and when they see the film is how kind of it really gets to you. And um, emotionally, but also, you know, in a... Um, it makes you think quite deeply about what we're doing to the world and and um, and what you know the future could be and um, so you know it's all credit to Mike Carey really. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the things I love so much about it because I guess the women that to that get to exist in you know post apocalyptic zombie movies are like you know shredded top with a midriff beard wielding a machete they have to be as physically strong as the men they're not allowed to be vulnerable or complex and i loved so much in the movie and the book as well that not only is the hero a woman but i guess the big villain is a woman and the drivers of all of the drivers of story are women which was um which is really fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. and I think there is that, it's definitely part, part of the Bletchdale test. Um, <laughs> I think that Colin McCarthy, the director, is really, is really, really, um, was, was really aware of that. And I think it also came from our producer, Cammy, who's like a really, you know, she's just a massive feminist, basically. <laughs> I think that as much as they could. Because I think Calder could have been a man, could have, you know. Yeah could be either, you know, that that part could be either. But, you know, it's so interesting casting it, you know, with a, with a woman. It just makes it so much even more deadly because mm. she has no compassion and, and no maternal instinct. And, um, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, Colin, the director, is really kind of, especially with the way we looked and the costumes, you know, he was so like, well, you you just wear the same thing. You wouldn't yeah. change. You wouldn't, you know. And it's like it's like this is the kind of stuff that I always say when I'm on set. Like, why would you wear that? Why would you not? You know. <laughs> um, you know and and then they go, well, you just would wear that because it looks good. Whereas yeah. with Colin, he was like, no, no, no. You you'd wear what you could find. And yeah. I really appreciate that. That that's what really makes it kind of feel real as well. Mm. Especially when you're dealing with kind of in reality you've got to kind of try and ground it as much as you can or elsewhere yeah um you mentioned some raging feminists there and as a raging feminist myself I, I've got to confess um a movie that you did Byzantium is uh is one of my top five <laughs> favorite movies of all time and I actually have a Byzantium oh, poster in my lounge right now that I'm looking at so oh cool <laughs> that's so cool nobody saw that film and um you know I'm really well they did but no you know we thought it was going to be a 
a big thing, but yeah. I think it's because it's quite a hard watch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing these women going around chopping off, you know, nasty people's heads. And um, no, I loved making that film. Oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I was in she's such a great writer, Moira Buffini. Oh, you know, she writes really amazing stuff for women. And, yeah, yeah, because she did was, Tamara yeah. Drew as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wrote Tamara Drew, and she's just writing loads. She's just done Harlot on telly. And mm. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Oh, I just love so much the character of Clara because she was this sort of feminist badass with agency and drive, but she also loved and was really vulnerable. And I mean, obviously there's been a massive upswing in shining a spotlight on female stories that give us complex and complicated women and are done by female writers. Do you feel like maybe Byzantium was just a little bit ahead of its time? I do. I think it was at a time when it wasn't really, that wasn't really the conversation that was being had. I mean, I think that in the last sort of four years, things have changed, like, massively. Yeah. I was just in Cannes selling a film, which is female writer, female director film, and honestly, people are kind of out there buying films because they have a female director or because they have a female writer because that's, like, the agenda now. But at the time... um, you know, I don't think it was really the conversation that was being had, and 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 I also don't think that it was kind of the appetite um, at the time generally, um, because the conversation it wasn't out there. You know, people weren't talking about it and and, and creating a fuss. Um, and since then, there's been a bit of a fuss made, and so therefore, you know, people are more likely to finance those kind of films and put more money into them and. Uh, but yeah, and also Saoirse wasn't as massive a star as she is now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but um, I, 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 it is, I, I should watch that film again because I've only ever watched it like once this week. So, oh, um, girl, treat yourself. Um, it's it's such a gem. Yeah, yeah I, I find it weird watching my films, but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that one, I really enjoyed making it, so I, yeah. I should watch it. Well, I was in Dundee, Scotland at the time when it came out and I saw it and was just like, what the fuck did I just see? This was amazing. And I went back and watched it three times in the one week. And then I was like, okay, where is this filmed? And so I found out that, you know, you guys shot in Hastings. So I hired a car and (laughs) I drove eight hours to Hastings to just go hang out and like... Such a bad. Yeah, <laughs> I re- seriously, it was super nerdy. Went to Hastings, that's really something. I know, I know. I was like, oh, wow, this funny. is an interesting place, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's really kind of it's changing a lot now. Hastings is becoming quite kind of cool. Yeah. But um, at the time, it was a real dump, like a real forgotten, like a really old, beautiful seaside town that had just been forgotten. Yeah. Which is a perfect place for them. Oh my god, it was perfect. Like the resort what town. Does it feel like. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's mad. You are real, really a fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm so pleased to finally meet a fan of that. Film. Oh my god, I can't believe you haven't met them earlier. I seriously, I reckon in 10 years there's going to be a real cult audience coming through for it for sure. No. Um, Now, I was was reading an interview you did with the Irish Times earlier this year, which I really loved and and really connected with personally, where you said that you had um, been overlooked for a bunch of jobs because you're working class. And in an industry that is all about pretending to be someone else and to put on the skin of another character, has that sort of classism and bias been an incredibly frustrating thing for you as an actor? Yeah, it's a really odd conversation because 
in the UK, we have, we are, it's, the bar system is sort of, it's a, a big thing and we don't mm. know why. <laughs> and, um, and, and, it and it doesn't really exist anymore, but we still cling to it. Um, it's, it's, and, and um, I think, I don't know what it is. It's sort of like a sort of, a sense of pride, you know, coming from a kind of working class background is a, is a set, I'm proud of it, but mm. it's also kind of, so it's weird, so you can't talk about it even though I'm not working class anymore. It's such a weird thing. But um, we also have our accents, which I guess there are sort of, um, um, you know, that people put judgment on if you have a certain accent, then yeah. you're more likely to be from a certain class, uh, which is not at all true these days because, you know, um, someone from the North could be, have gone to the most amazing university and be the most intelligent and educated and, you know, so there's all this kind mm. of... Um, also, also a lot of prejudice as well but not so much these days I have to admit like I think accent and diversity is really a, a huge kind of t talking point in the British film industry at the moment and to the point where you know if you have you know uh, an RP accent it's a kind of you know not as not as cool um, <laughs> um, certainly for a film like The Girl With All The Gifts yeah. I think Colm was looking for like you know as much diversity as possible, and also you know we've got an American in there. We've got Paddy, who's got this kind of weird Nottingham accent. We've got me, London, and then you know some Mancunians, and that's what's so amazing about the UK. Is it's, it is such a kind of hot pot for everybody from all over the place. But in terms of certain people that give you jobs or finance jobs or whatever, there sometimes can be a little bit of prejudice that I have encountered in my um, in my early career, but not so much now. I think they're kind of, you know, I've always had this bugbear, which is like, well, you're an actor, you should just be able to do anything. And yeah. don't, you know, you know, if you want me to be this, I can do that. And But don't judge me on the voice I have when I come in. <laughs> but that's what they, that's what, that's what people do. They judge on, you know, not just in my job, in yeah. any job, you know. So um, anyway, but yeah, it, it's 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 a weird thing in the UK with this kind of class system thing. It's a real talking point, something that I find kind of a bit mysterious still. But um, yeah, it's. I'm, I'm glad to say that that, that it's become cool to be uh, to be anything but. Um, Posh, yeah, <laughs> you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let you go now. But just quickly, one last question: What has been your favourite yeah. movie that you've seen this year? Oh, okay. This is going to—I I reckon you'll like this one. But I, <laughs> I'm going to say Raw because yes. I, um, oh my god, I—I I, I haven't actually seen that much stuff this year, which is. Um, Shocking, but um, I went to see that the other day with my friend a few weeks ago, and it—I mean—it is an onslaught, isn't it, of everything? Oh my god, and it's amazing! Not necessarily, I mean, I'm not that great with gore usually. Yeah, but I thought it was a brilliant film, and you know, everything about it was just fantastic. So I'm going to say, well, that's a great pick. I love it. I love some French uh, <laughs> French cannibal feminism in there. I love it. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Gemma. It's been so wonderful chatting to you and I can't wait to keep on seeing what you're doing. I just love your work. Oh, thank you.
Oh, thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs> All right, bye. Cheers. Take care. Bye. What am I? Hope. That's what you are. Nailed it. So that was my chat with Gemma Arlerton. The amazing. I love her so much. She's incredible. She's also in this movie called Their Finest. Oh, beautiful. So good. I am controversial. There's actually a terrible film that I'm absolutely in love with that she's in where she has a big nose and then she has a nose job. Have you seen it? And what? it's got, um, what's his name in it? The guy who plays Dracula and the Archer. Luke Evans? No, no, no. Um, is it Luke Evans? Dracula and the Archer. The Ar- yeah, from the Hobbit. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Fuck, what is this? So great. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It was one of those weird video easy hires. And Literally looking it up right now. It's just so funny. So it's basically like she was a teenager in this small town and then she goes to the Oh, Tomorrow Drew! That one. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, no. Okay, so she talks a little bit um, about Moira Buffini in that mm-hmm. interview. And Moira Buffini is this incredible English playwright who yeah. wrote Byzantium. It's, it's, it's ba- her, the screenplay is based on her original play, but she also did the screenplay for Tomorrow Drew. Right. Which is really... That's a Fucking no, I love that movie. It's great. Oh my god. So I think the the graph it's based on a comic book by Posey Simmons, I believe. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's like a really interest it's like a very English looking comic book. Yeah. Like it's like a weird kind of format and it's mm. all kind of done in um like say pastel to watercolours mm. and stuff. Fuck that's a weird pull. How interesting. <laughs> huh. I think they've been in a few movies together. Wow, what a weird pull. Um, but their finest, which is basically about a female movie maker. Mm. So if you haven't checked that out, it's one of the best reviewed movies of 2017, along with The Girl with All the Gifts. She's also in a movie called The Voices, which the Voices. okay, I've so okay, so he plays Ryan Reynolds plays this guy who's like the socially inept dude who hears voices, and Anna Kendrick is in it, and oh. Jim Arlerton is in it, and basically. It's following a serial killer of sorts. Jackie Weave is in it. Oh, excellent. it's it's kind of like a weird, a really black horror comedy, and Gemma Arterton is so good at it. Like, who was that? Oh, I think it came, definitely came out in Australia this year, but right. I think it was released towards the end it's of 2016. Recent. It's a re, it's really recent. It's like kind of a musical, and it's yeah, it's <laughs> fucking weird. It's I don't know what's going on. I don't know how else to explain it. It's got a real like Lars in the real world, L- real Lars in the real girl kind yeah. of vibe oh, to it. Oh, awesome. Yeah, but so it's really interesting. After she did like Bond and fucking Clash of the Titans, oh god, um, <laughs> and Prince of Persia, it's mm. it's really interesting. Like the route that she's taken of picking very different kind of films and even like girl with all the gifts because she's so fucking beautiful like Mm. she's if i could pick like one person in all the world she'd be like in that list Um, total mayor of babe town president of babe town (laughs) president of babe country um but it's like her gugu mabatha raw paula Patton, that kind of thing like those are my total babes but in um girl with all the gifts she basically wears no makeup the entire time and has no wow. hair anything like that because it's supposed to be post-apocalyptic right and so in the movie they want it to be as realistic as possible and so like glenn close is in the movie wow. and patty constantine you don't really mm. notice so much when guys don't wear makeup because you're used to seeing that all the time but it's just oh it's amazing she's so fucking good at it. anyway i'm gonna have to pick but <laughs> Feminist of the episode, yes. Um, because this has been a kind of Halloweeny, spooky themed mm-hmm. episode, I guess, with all the Gemma Arterton stuff and yep. flatliners and like the six fucking horror themed things I just reeled <laughs> up. My feminist of the episode is going to be Ilvira, aka Cassandra Peterson, who is a horror icon. She's an icon of horror, but also feminism. She was kind of the one of the first. Mm, 
I say one of the first people, but she she basically became like the first lady of horror. She really broke through in the like late seventies, mid eighties as like a presenter slash hostess of like midnight movies on television. And she's kind of become a symbol, I guess, for not only female sexuality, but comedy and women who can be funny and women who can balance both of those things and use their sexuality as a tool of comedy without having to poke fun at themselves, without having to kind of belittle themselves or downgrade themselves. And she's also someone who's like her entire existence is kind of poking fun or poking literally in the fucking eye, poking the male gaze. Amazing. And I've always really loved her because she's very smart and she's she built an empire from literally nothing. Mm. And I'm a massive fan of her, so I wanted it to be Elvira this week. A little bit Excellent left of centre, I guess. Amazing. Yeah. Who's your feminist of the episode, Chloe? Um, well, oh, there are so many women that I admire, but I have to say of late, I have been watching more closely Miss Emma Watson. Mm. Also, I suppose, because I've been reading the Harry Potter series for the first time. Controversial. Oh, fuck. For the first... No, yeah. not controversial. See, I really hate it when people are like, oh, my God, you haven't watched or read or <laughs> X, Y, Z. Because I'm like, don't be a cunt. Let that person enjoy it for the first time. Because there's oh, so many amazing. things that I love that so I would yeah. love to go back. I love that I get experience to take it as an adult. Yeah. Of experiencing something for the first time. Like The Wire. I wish I could watch The Wire <laughs> and having never seen it. That would yeah. be amazing. Or Buffy or something, you know? Yeah. Oh, you and Buffy. Yeah. But like anything that you love. Like think, yeah. what's your what's your most favourite movie or favourite piece of like pop culture? I think that's a hard one because it's dependent on the elements. So mm. like I cinematically nothing surpasses Amelie to me because yeah. that was the first film for me where yeah. the camera was a character yeah. and the camera told so much of that story. Of story. So imagine like how you would feel getting to see that for the first time. Take everything in again. Oh, oh right. Like, yeah, so why would you ever begrudge somebody who hasn't yeah. made a thing that you I'm love? But going back to Emma, the things that I love most about her is she's me as a feminist I'm more of a like a doer so you know yeah. I, I don't see the restrictions in anything that I want to do because mm-hmm. of my gender I just do it mm. like I have I've had the luxury of just being able to do it the stubbornness yeah. to do it and the people around me to support me in doing it um I'm not a very articulate person mm. I'm more of a visual person so I really love and I'm also not very aggressive yeah but I do love and respect the way that Emma approaches feminism and you know all the things that she does with human rights and yeah. everything in the world she's so you articulate you have to be aggressive such you an outdated have to be aggressive. stereotype but, but yeah, I, yeah. There's See, just I am the aggressive person, so it's interesting. But yours is yours isn't an aggressive aggressive. It's a very educated, passionate kind of. Let's go with way that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's welcome. beautiful. Let's stop it. <laughs> um, now, before we sign off from this most recent episode of FEFO and feminism, can't believe it's episode thirty. Although. It's been three years, so I feel like I've really fucking... Wow. 30 episodes in three years. I mean, it's not the end of 2017 yet, so there'll be a few more episodes coming, but... Do average... Pardon? What a feat. I know. Well, it's it's like one episode a month, so it's like... There's a lot going into it, though. Oh, fuck yeah. Mama, no! <laughs> I am myself, but I don't know how people do this once a week, and also, mm. like, the way the format of this podcast is trying... So we originally found it with this amazing chick, Karis Bizarka, who was a film journalist with me, and she went off to work for Screen Australia, and so it's like a conflict yeah. of interest. So she was no longer my co-host anymore, but mm. basically the structure is we talk about a bunch of movies and, like, topical issues, and then we had an interview with her. I didn't know she would feminist or someone who's contributed a lot to feminism in pop culture or whatever and then a feminist of 
the episode, right? But so then when Karis left, I would get a different co-host each episode, which has been a really great way to talk to a lot of different women within the film pop cultural sphere who have different perspectives and just like interesting world views and different backgrounds mm. and experiences and stuff like yourself. Um, <laughs> And then also attach it with a celebrity interview or like a well-known noted feminist interview. So if I don't have a good interview to go with it, I'll wait until I have one. But I usually have a few up my sleeve, which I guess is my preface to next episode, which will probably be an interview with Jason Blum, who I know he's like a noted feminist or anything, but he is um, basically one of the foremost horror filmmakers of right now but he is also the producer and I guess weird godfather of one of the best movies of 2017 one of the most important movies in terms of race and social politics and dynamics get out so we talk a lot about get out and it's kind of social ramifications in a in a time when black lives matter and people don't want to admit it I guess but anyway before we get to the very end of this episode I just want to quickly mention that I have a new book coming out on Halloween it's called it came from the deep it is my young adult debut um it is basically the little mermaid meets creature from the black lagoon oh i'm so excited <laughs> or at least my spin on that it's coming out in ebook form only because one of the big things is that i wanted it to be available for people all around the world all at the same time yeah because the tricky thing with traditional publishing is a physical copy of a book it takes a while to get into different territories so yes who's afraid came out january 2016 mm-hmm. um but then it came out in the UK June 2016 and the US it came out in September wow 2017 mm. did I say 20 it was 2016 for the UK but anyway the point is different territories can mean the difference between a book coming out a year ahead of time or a year back and so I get a lot of messages from readers all around the world annoyed by this and it's mm. out of my hands um, when it comes to dealing with a big publishing house but it came from the deep because I'm putting this book out myself I've chosen to do ebook form only mm-hmm. because it means that everyone all around the world can not only get it at the same time but it means that I can put it out at a really affordable price Excellent. that's you know pretty fucking reasonable it would be like the price of a coffee in Australia I don't know what coffees are like around the rest of the world but anyway <laughs> long story short it's coming out on my favourite day of the year Halloween October mm. 31 and if you follow me on social media you can find the link there but basically if you just search it came from the deep in wherever you buy ebooks from usually um that is where you will be able to find it so if that's something that tickles your pickle i know it does me <laughs> it does tickle your pickle oh yeah thank you so much for listening to FF and feminism chloe thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me you've been one of the guests that i've wanted to have on forever oh you're dumb forever I'm honoured forever because I know there's a lot of people who listen to this who either work in the film industry or want to work in the film industry mm-hmm. and so speaking to someone who's in it and done it and it's also super fucking young like I know she sounds mature but Chloe's like mid-twenties you know she's a young bitch so it, anybody can do it if you just gotta get out there and get into it and fucking kick a few men in the deck hey mm-hmm. yeah. you need something to you find a way if not you'll find an excuse Oh. oh, 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 yes, bit of wisdom for the end. Yeah, where'd you get that from? Emma Watson? Uh, probably Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks so much for listening. Uh. 
If you liked what you just heard, please like and review the F Yeah Film and Feminism podcast on iTunes. You can also find them on SoundCloud. And please check out the website, fyeahfilmandfeminism.tumblr.com. You follow the host and Maria Lewis at Movie Maz, also with two Zs. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a guest, or throw forward a film, TV show, book, or whatever for the girls to discuss, you can do so on the Tumblr page. I feel like I'm gonna, I'm gonna sneeze. Am I? Uh, Cute to sneeze, am uh, I? Do it. Uh, do it. Fuck. Oh, that's so Edgy, kind of satisfying. Relax. God.